Well, I had a privilege of going to Brazil. Uh, earlier this year, we were in Israel. I got to lead somebody to the Lord in Jerusalem. And said, start Jerusalem, then go out, lead people to the Lord in Florida, then we go down to South America. So I got three different hemispheres, four different hemispheres. How can it be four halves of a ball? But <laughs> uh, So last night, we had like six ranch kids in Trent, and we went, went uh, witnessing. We had 44 Trust Christ last night. So come back and you uh, <laughs> two guys down here uh, came with us to see how, how to give out the gospel. And that was neat. Uh, and it's always good to don't just share the gospel when you're away, but share it here too. So that's what we were doing. And uh, Trent did a good job getting six different kids out uh, to come see how it's done. And then we went to uh, Brazil. This is the U.S. team, these two guys didn't go. That's his son, two of his sons. Uh, but we had, I don't know, 17, I think, uh, take off from Orlando Airport. And then what did we do? Well, this is the board. That guy that's six foot six, when we were in Trinidad, he was a six foot six man eating shark. But uh, <laughs> he, uh, he's a road engineer for like the interstates stuff like that in Florida. So if you like the interstates and how they're built, done, you can praise him. But <laughs> if you don't, he doesn't want your call. But <laughs> uh, And then uh, Peter Moss. Sandra Draper, uh, she is a calculus two teacher and stuff in uh, like uh, Valencia College. So if anybody needs help with their calc two, she can help you with that. And this is Gina Miller. She's a doctor in Oklahoma and I think two clinics. So she was one of our doctors. Uh, I like to say when I travel internationally, I, I like to take a doc, my doctor with me. Yeah. And then uh, that's me. <laughs> I work here. Uh, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> and that's the Amazon River, the Solomonos, the brown one. And these are the guys. Um, this 17-year-old, this 18-year-old, this 18-year-old, they all three graduated from Land Lakes Christian School this past year. And this guy here, Antonio, wanted to be with his mom. She's one of the doctors because he lost his dad earlier, uh, a year ago, whatever. And he, his mom... Uh, with a doctor, so he said, I want to go on a mission trip. I've never, I never been on one of these, and I want to be with my mom. So he's in my room, and I'm like, uh, I've, never talk, I've never met this guy, so what do you think my first conversation is going to be about? Uh, it's like, hey, how you doing? I want to share with you the best news I ever heard. And he goes, what? Because he's in his bunk, and he, he couldn't go anywhere because I'm blocking him. But uh, <laughs> So it was like, uh, I want to share with you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. Or do you hope or do you know? Because I like to do a diagnostic question. And he goes, well, I hope so. I don't know. So I shared with him the gospel, and he trusted Christ. And at the end of uh, the five days they gave testimony, he goes, uh, I got Louied. I said, oh, what? <laughs> it's like, you don't say stuff like that. Uh, so that was uh, the guys and then the, the, the women... She's a doctor, she's a doctor, 
That's a paradox. Uh, <laughs> and you might know, shall be given a testimony later. He shall be given. Oh, well. Didn't work. Uh, and so, so you have Brazilians here, then Americans back. Well, it's a mixture. So these, uh, the people on our boat, we got to eat at a Brazilian steakhouse. Uh, this girl here ate a chicken heart, but I didn't have the heart. Uh, <laughs> so it was, uh, but when you eat at a steakhouse in Brazil, they're all Brazilian steakhouses. This is the ship we went on, J.J. Uh, Mosquita. That's a n named after, I think, the, somebody that founded the church that did that. The bottom floor is the medical stuff. We had three doctors, two dentists, and a nutritionist. Uh, and then this, this is the floor where we slept, and that's the floor where you can go up and look at stars and stuff like that. Uh, then we take that around the Amazon River. So it was very interesting to go to different villages. We, uh, our Stetson Ministries, we, we like to do four different things. The triage, where they take your temperature, take your blood sugar, take your blood pressure, and write down well, like, what's wrong. What do, you, what do you want to see the doctor or nurses? Because they had nurses too. I, I think we had at least three nurses. Uh, and other people helping. And uh, they write all that stuff down. And then they go to the doctor, the doctor from Oklahoma, uh, or the other one was from uh, um, what do you call it, Puerto Rico, uh, and the other one was from Brazil. So they see the doctors, then they get a prescription, then they go see the pharmacy. Uh, anybody can be in the pharmacy, so pretty much you just got to count pills. <laughs> But you got to be careful because some of this stuff is in Portuguese. So you got to figure out what the, what you're give, giving out. And then uh, they come, and then we have uh, like three or four witnessing stations where we share the gospel uh, with the people that come in. And I have a translator here, and he was trying to learn how to do that because he's uh, a teenager from that goes to Linden Lake Christian School. And I was given the gospel, then I would say it in English, and then he would translate it, and then uh, say it to the person, and they, they would translate it back, and then back and forth. And I always try to make sure, please do it a little bit of time, don't say a whole bunch, and say a whole bunch, and then tell me, oh, yes. I was like, <laughs> you just said 50 words or 100 words, and you were just saying yes. I like, I, I need to know what's going on. Don't leave me out of the conversation. So I had to uh, go over that several times because every year you got to do that because uh, a lot of times they want to paraphrase rather than translate. Uh, so you got to be careful that they say what you're saying so you, you give a, a clear message. So that's the four stations that we have. And uh, I, do, I do like triage questions too, like diagnostic questions. So I say, do you... Do you hope you're going to go to heaven? Do you know you're going to go to heaven? Or you don't think about it? And I have all three answers, just like at the mall yesterday. I had all three answers. Some people say, I don't think about it. Some people say, I know. Some people say, I hope. The ones that say, I know, I say, if you knock on heaven's door, God says, why should I let you in? What would you say? 
And they look at me like, how do I know? <laughs> I thought you, said, said, you just said you knew. So how do you know? Like, I don't know. Uh, or they give answers like this. Well, I pray, I read my Bible, I help my neighbor, I, 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 I. So I said, who are you trusting? Me. I'm trusting myself. So they admit it. Uh, because they say, oh, I, I, I. said, no, you don't trust yourself. And we, we go over, most of the time I don't say no. I just say, well, let me share with you what the Bible says. Because I don't like, nor like to contradict them. I just want to tell them the truth. And this is the first day we got there, we were just walking around looking at stuff like uh, buildings with cats on it. <laughs> then, uh, then we went to a, a, a one village. We got in the ship, went up, and went to Bella Vista. We spent two days there. Now, these pictures don't necessarily match where we were. I just uh, put three pictures up there. But we were, they, they were in the villages, but they don't necessarily match which village. So we went to Bella Vista. Uh, some people went on shore and did vacation Bible school. Uh, most, of the, most days I stayed on the ship and did witnessing on the ship. Uh, and here is Barbara Bronco, and then uh, this girl here gave the gospel with a wordless book. You might know her. She's in the front. Uh, Shelby. Uh, and there's like 170 kids in there, and she's translate. Well, she's not translating, but the, the girl here is translating. She was a teacher for five years, and she taught English, so she was good at translating. And these kids are just really focused, laser-focused, uh, on what was being said. And uh, I shall be asking them if, if they would trust Christ, and all these kids raise their hand. It's like, hey, you're not allowed to do that. That's more than me. No. <laughs> and then uh, she, she'll be sitting right here. She's like a, a, a little kid magnet. <laughs> but it, it, it didn't fit on the picture. But then we went to uh, Bella Vista, Barro Bronco, and Arapapa. So three different villages on the Amazon River. Last five years ago, we went to four different villages on the Amazon River. Uh, giving out medicine, sharing the gospel. We gave out uh, 300 Portuguese Little New Testaments, f over 400 tracts in Portuguese. Um, so we had it translated into Portuguese by... Uh, oh... My mind went blank. The Brazilian lady, <laughs> sorry, uh, uh, Celia. Okay, thank you for helping. <laughs> Celia, uh, I appreciate that, translating it into Portuguese. And then I even showed a, a, a Portuguese uh, four-minute video to somebody on the Amazon River that uh, Tommy translated. Uh, so I did both of those, because both of those people are from Brazil. Did everybody know that? Uh, they speak Portuguese. Uh, so I got to use both of those. Uh, Shelby's giving a testimony, and uh, Claudia is uh, translating for her in uh, one of the villages up the hill. And then here I'm uh, witnessing with my phone. You might, you might have seen that illustration before uh, that I'm using. And then uh, these people said they would trust Christ as their Savior. And... Uh, Shelby got to go inside there and see the 
how rough it is in some of the houses. You know, they got windows, but there's nothing in the windows, just air. So there's no air conditioning. And uh, the, it's interesting. So we went witnessing house to house. I only did it, I think, one day. Then I got to preach to these people. I gave the gospel. Several of them trusted Christ. It's the first time I preached under a church. I preached in a church. I preached in different kinds of churches. But I've never preached under a church. <laughs> so that was interesting. And then uh, we had some fellowshipping with uh, the people from Brazil. They sang in Portuguese. I had no idea what they were singing, except for the, sometimes the beat gave it away. So that was interesting to see that. We had different kinds of food. Some of it, fish had bones in it. Uh, and we, all different kinds of fish. Then we had lasagna. And all different kinds. Well, that's just, just two examples. We had a lot of different kinds. Brazilians are kinds of foods. Uh, then Guanana. Anybody know what Guanana is? People from Brazil. Uh, they like that there. Uh, then coconut water. Those two high school graduates from uh, Land Lakes. Uh, so we got to do a lot of different kinds of, t of fun stuff, too. And here, new friends. This, this lady is uh, the daughter of uh, the Petersons. Anybody know the Petersons from Land Lakes? Uh, I didn't know. I've never met her, but I knew them from a long time ago. But uh, <clears throat> it's the first time I met her. Sarah, Sarah Beth, music teacher. And they were roommates. Uh, and then uh, our doctor and our math teacher. So... I knew everybody except for Sarah Beth, and I met her. Then this is the guy that I led to the Lord. So if you go on a mission trip, it's good to know you're going to heaven. So he was helping out with all the different things there. Uh, and there's Sarah Beth, roommates, and then uh, the three high school, well, two high school kids and uh, a kid that graduated like the year before, and me and a calculus teacher. I didn't get any help for calculus. That's not my field. Then we were witnessing. Uh, we didn't just witness on the ship. Even when we were going uh, shopping, Shelby was witnessing to this uh, clerk uh, that was selling stuff. And then here's witnessing with a balloon. I've never seen a wordless balloon before this past week. Uh, I've used a wordless book, wordless soccer ball, wordless uh, uh, several things, but... First time, a wordless balloon. And then uh, this is one of the homes that they went and witnessed to house to house, and then uh, another house to house witnessing. But things went afoul. Uh, parrot. Fun times. Uh, we had, oh, I'll go back to this. Uh, we had. Uh, Three hundred and fifty-three people treated for medical stuff. Uh, about one hundred and twenty-five trust Christ on the ship, and then maybe, maybe up to two hundred trust Christ off the ship. So, uh, maybe three hundred trust Christ. And she got a bigger group of that. <laughs> so that was good. Uh, 
And it was awesome to see these people trust Christ. And we also helped. We had, they're physical, they're emotional. One lady came on, she was really, really crying. Uh, not because she had trust in Christ or anything, but she hadn't even heard anything yet, but she, she was sad. She said, my parents hate me and stuff. And so we were shared with her the gospel, that Jesus loves her, and she trusted Christ. So that was good. It helped with your emotional and spiritual. So we try to do all three things when we go there. Then at the end, the last day, we do fun stuff like uh, the two, the two rivers, the Salamonis and the, the 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 Black River meet together in the, in the confluence, and the Brazilians said, "Shelby's the confluence." <laughs> I didn't come up with that; they did it. So I thought that was interesting. So she took a picture of her in the confluence, and then we had fun stuff: hammock chair, wordless balloons, wordless staff, or whatever, and then. Uh, Sharing the gospel, she had the uh, balloons and uh, swimming with the pink dolphins, pink belly dolphins, gray on the back, pink in the. I think there was like 10 dolphins all around. I could see them better because I stayed on the dock. And I took pictures, and they were in there swimming with them. Anybody ever swim with pink dolphins? Okay, that was, that was kind of neat. Then uh, more balloons. She made a, a, a human balloon for the lady here. Then we, then we had anaconda around the neck. It's only a 10-foot one, just a baby. And then uh, I, I turned it to look at it, like, hey, what about you? You did something else. <laughs> then we had a mama sloth and a baby sloth. I felt slothful, but... And then, uh, of course, you, these aren't alligators, they're caimans. They're like skinny nose. So we were uh, holding those up. So we had fun times also, going up to Amazon River. That was the last day. The five days in between was uh, working hard. But then we have one day of fun, fun stuff. And uh, the, the close the slide, I'm going to speak after Shelby gives her testimony, but to close the slide, I said, like, i got to take a picture of this because this guy's neighbor was taking clothes off this guy's line, taking... It's, stealing clothes. And the guy's neighbor goes, what are you doing? What are you doing? He goes, I'm just doing some online Amazon shopping. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, that, <laughs> so, so, I can't take it. Okay. Shelby's going to come up and, and give her a testimony about uh, her experience. Thank you for having me. <laughs> As you can see, that was a whole lot of fun. And uh, so here I'm going to share my testimony with you about the trip. Once upon a time, far away in the land of the Amazon River, where the idea of Amazon was created, Shelby Mullen went on a mission trip to lead people to Christ. I had no idea what a real mission trip would be like besides the mall. This was beyond the most rewarding experience of my Christian life. I knew when I went to the missions conference in October of last year here at Calvary that I wanted to be a missionary, and God answered my prayers. I got to speak at multiple VBS events in all the villages we w visited and a school, leading almost 200 kids to Christ with my wordless book balloon flower I made with all the wordless book colors. The kids were drawn to me, and I was thankful that I could share the good news with them. 
I'm an adventurous person, so when Sandra suggested that I go into the villages to witness, I was all for it. I got to see the homes of the locals and talk to them about Christ with my translator, Joshua, and get an insight on what their daily lives were. One lady invited me into her home. She only had a broken mirror by the sink, and they didn't have much, but she was happy to have us. Made me realize how thankful we should be every day for what we have and what God provides for us. I did balloon animals for kids in the villages and on the boat. I use balloons to describe what a free gift is because Jesus wants to give us the free gift of eternal life. I made a lot of new friends. The people of Stetson Ministries are such a blessing to this world. I'm so glad I got to go with Louie because it was like we were our own special team because we were both the only ones from Calvary. I led more souls to Christ than Louis. Ha ha. <laughs> it's not a competition, but he, <laughs> he always pushes me to do my best, and I really appreciate that. Um, he has been a blessing in my life, and on the trip, he always watched over me and made sure I was okay. The best part of the trip, though, was hearing all of Louis's jokes. <laughs> um, I hope this inspires more of you to always keep witnessing as a daily goal and take every opportunity on, of our time on this earth because it is so limited and precious. I am amazed at what God has led me to do within only my first year and a half of believing in Christ again. If he can do this for me, he can make anything possible in your life as well. Pray without ceasing. God bless. Well, I want to talk about uh, the gospel plain and simple because you think around the world everybody has the gospel clear or you think it's uh, messed up and things are all, all different views a lot of people go well why is there so many different views of uh, different things in the Bible well why is there so many different sins around because does uh, sins hinder us from understanding things even if you're a Christian, can sins hinder your prayers? Yeah, so, so let's uh, open up in a word of prayer and we'll get started here. Father, thanks for this time where we can look at your word. Help us to understand your word your way and always teach and preach the plain and simple plan of salvation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So the t my title is The Gospel Plain and Simple. So if you open up your Bible to Mark chapter 16, Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. I only have two hours, so I have to go quick. <laughs> There's only one person up in the loft, so. so. Uh, it says in Mark 16, 15, he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. So I've got blessed a lot so I, because I've been able to go to like 15 different countries. Uh, it's about 185 to go, but uh, it's, it's awesome to get to go to all these different countries and, and share the gospel. 
and preach the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? Do most people, if you ask them, what is the gospel, do they have a clear answer to that? What is the gospel? They think, oh, it's the Bible or whatever. The gospel is the good news, the, like my opening when I, uh, like last night when I opened up, I said, can I share with you guys the best news I ever heard in my life? And it must be pretty good because I'm pretty old. So let me, let me share with you that. And they go, okay. So um, most of the time teenagers are pretty open to that. And because I want to preach to them or just teach them the gospel. But you got to know what that is to be able to clearly say it. So I want to make sure I'm clear. And is there any verses in the Bible to say you, you, you should share things clearly? I know one person said, there's no, the Bible doesn't teach you have to say it clearer. It doesn't say that. Well, let's look at Job. Job 33. Job chapter 33. In verse 3. Job chapter, it's in the Old Testament, 33, verse 3. Somebody once said, don't go on until you hear the leaves stop rustling. That's the pages of the Bible going. So I think the leaves are starting to calm down. It says, My word shall be of the shall be of the uprightness of my heart. And my lips shall utter knowledge what? Clearly. So you need to be uttering things clearly. Speak clearly. I'm not talking about enunciation and pronunciation. I'm talking about using words easy to be understood. I'm not going to say to a little kid, do you have the propitiation through the sanctification uh, so you know about the glorification? Huh? It's like, we gave the gospel to a lot of little kids, and we, you want to make it even a child can understand it. You don't want to use a bunch of, or theological words that aren't even in the Bible, or theological phrases that are not in the Bible. Um, I gave a track to one of my translators. This is a track that we... Anybody recognize this track from a long time ago? The brown one? No, very few. Okay, because it has like uh, 20 things that Christianese phrases, and I gave it to one of the translators. Said, well, what do you got to do here? And he's like, oh, and he checks a couple of them, uh, which are... None of these are, are uh, accurate. They're all wrong. So I was like, well, we need to go over that. Because uh, he, he liked to say, well, you've got to surrender your life to God before you can believe to get saved. It's like, what does that mean? It's like, why are you adding words into the Bible? That's, you're supposed to utterly, utter knowledge clearly. To me, well, I think it's accurately to say, use God's word. Why are you going to use your own words to replace God's word? Is it okay to replace God's word with your words? Well, I, I'm very smart. I have a college degree. I, have a, I got a PhD. Piled high and deep. No, uh, I got... <laughs> is, does that mean you, you can replace God's word with your words? Now, you can explain it, but replace? No. Because I, I, I told uh, another Christian school teacher that I don't like using my, uh, uh, man's words instead of God's words, and she said, that's hateful. Like, what? 
Uh, I'd rather use God's word. Like I told the translator on the boat, when I'm standing in front of Jesus, I don't want to say to Jesus, well, I changed your word because uh, I felt it was better. Like, I don't want to say that. Do you want to say that to Jesus? Like, uh, yeah, I, you know, we're in, we're in the modern times, Jesus. You really didn't understand what it was like in the 21st century. Like, uh, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to say God's word and utter knowledge clearly, like it says in Job 33.3. Are there other verses that have the same idea in there? In Colossians 4, what? I think it's supposed to be Corinthians 14.9. I said C-O, it only has a... Corinthians 14.9. First Corinthians. I think it cut it off on my page. First Corinthians 14.9. First Corinthians. Now, Corinth was uh, such a good church, he wrote him two books, right? No, I think they had so many problems that he had to write them twice. And big, fat books, because there were so many problems. Problems in a church? No, say it isn't so. Uh, you come to church, kind of like the same reason you go to a hospital, to improve, to get better. You don't go to the hospital... If you're, if, you're, if you're perfectly healthy and you come to church so you can improve and get better and get stronger as a Christian. So if, you, if you're coming to church because you want to be among perfect Christians, then you went to the wrong place because uh, there aren't any perfect Christians. We, we come here to edify and build up and grow. And in 1 Corinthians 14.9, it says, So likewise ye, except ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood. How shall, it be, how shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. Speak where people can understand you. That's why we had a translator. I didn't just speak in English to people that spoke Portuguese and expect them to understand. We tried to make sure they understood by asking questions. And I asked questions like, uh, Jesus died on a what? And I wanted them to answer. So if they understood what I said, they would say crucis or cross. Uh, sometimes the translators didn't translate what I said. They said, Jesus died on the cross. I said, I, I asked a question. Please ask the question. Don't give them the answer. So, uh, so they, they went ahead and gave them the answer. I was like, no, I want them to be interrogative where they give me the, the big fat word. Uh, I, I ask questions so they give me answers. Uh, so, and I want to make... Make what I say easy to be understood. Should we all make ourselves easy to be understood? Not, not always. Sometimes uh, we get a lawyer in here. But uh, they aren't always easy to be understood. <laughs> Don't want to step on toes. <laughs> so, but when we come to the gospel, we need to make it easy to be understood. And in 2 Corinthians... Verse, chapter 3, verse 12. 2 Corinthians, chapter 3, the next Corinthians over. See if you can find it. I taught Bible geography, so Corinth is in, uh, next to what body of water? The Gulf of Corinth. Uh, 
the Corinthian Gulf, in Greece. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Seeing then we have such hope. We got awesome hope. This, this is not the word hope that we think of, where I'm not sure, well, I hope I win the lottery. That's not the kind of hope. This is more like my birthday tomorrow, and I have a joyful expectation of it coming up. So this is a joyful expectation. We have awesome, joyful expectation that we're going to be with Jesus one day in eternal life. That's the best news ever. So when I say I want to share with you the best news that I've ever heard, I literally mean that. I'm not trying to sell them something that's false. Seeing that we have such hope, we use very, very complicated speech. Yeah, he's blind and he could see it. <laughs> he said plainness. It says we use great plainness of speech. So when we share the gospel, make it plain. What did it say earlier? Clearly. Easy to be understood. Plainness. Make it clear. And another verse in 2 Corinthians 11, which is a couple chapters ahead. Who wants to make it hard? Who wants to blind us from that? Is there anybody out there that wants to twist what's true? It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. Here's four verses that talk about plain and simple. 1 Corinthians 11, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. But I fear, Paul saying to the Corinthians, I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. Is he uh, obvious or is he very tricky? Like an uh, illusionist and you can't tell. What in the world just happened? Are, can people be tricky with their words? You ever buy a used car? <laughs> they can be tricky with their words. So you've got to be careful. Because Satan wants to beguile you through, this, through his subtlety. So your mind should be corrupted from the what? Simplicity that's in Christ. It's simple. Is going to heaven difficult? No. Like I like to use an example with uh, teenagers, when you get in a school bus, do you hope you're going to go to school or do you know you're going to go to school? Yeah, I know I'm going to school. That's what the bus says, school bus. Uh, so I said, that kind of faith, that kind of knowledge, would you trust what Jesus did on the cross, that he died for you, shed his blood for your sin, and was buried and he rose again the third day? Would you believe that he did that for you? Like if somebody asked me when I was 10, it's like, do you believe Jesus died on the cross? Yeah. Do you, what, does that, what does that do for you? I don't know. I was like, I don't, I don't know. Do you believe it happened? Yeah. Does it do anything to you? No idea. So had I believed in Jesus as my Savior? No, I just believed it. That happened. I didn't know what that meant. So you need to believe that he is your Savior, what he did, not just that. Because Jesus' names means, mean something. Jesus Jehovah, Yahshua, Jehoshua, God who saves, keeps, and defends, Christ, Messiah. So you need to understand it's simple that he's your Savior. And when I explained that to people yesterday, I asked him, would you believe that Jesus is your Savior? That he died because they, they would say, well, I, I hope I'm going to heaven or I, I, I'm, I'm trusting in these things. I said, would you believe that Jesus is your Savior, not yourself? Now, don't trust yourself. 
Because when I was growing up, I was trusting myself. Like, yeah, I'm pretty good. I was 11, so how much bad could I have done? Uh, watched cartoons too much. And didn't clean my room. But, uh, so I hadn't done a whole lot wrong. Uh, but it's still enough, because I lied. I said my sister did it, and then she didn't. <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, so one sin would keep us out of heaven. That's the, uh, uh, making it clear, making the problem clear, making the answer clear. Can people get away from that? Let me do that illustration on how I make it clear. And people go, I've seen that a hundred times. Well, have you done it a hundred times? Well, how many times have you done this illustration to somebody who doesn't know it? Well, let's use the, was it strong meat belongs to them by reason that use? Let's use it. Say, well, I have, this, I have the knowledge up here, and I'm a secret service Christian. No, uh, use it. Because there's Brazilians of opportunities. Uh, if this is us, and this is sin, we all got sin. God loves us, but he hates sin. Sin separates us from God. And the problem is that, well, uh, one verse for that, if you want to give a verse for one, there's, there's actually several verses for each point. We're all sinners, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, the penalty of sin is death. That's in hell, fire forever. I like to say, I always say my, me first. I don't want my penalty. Do you want your penalty? So I don't just say, hey, do you want that penalty? Like, don't be accusative. I say, I include me. So I don't want that penalty. Do you want that penalty? And just about everybody says no. God says, heaven's not good. It's perfect. I'm not perfect. I like, again, I like to include myself first. I don't like saying you're not perfect. That sounds bad. So it's like, I'm not perfect. Are you perfect? And make an interrogative so they can answer. Uh, and they say, oh, no, usually. Sometimes there's a kid in there who's like, yeah, I'm perfect. And the other friends look at him like, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> so one sin would keep us out of heaven. And good works don't get rid of your sin. I've gone to other countries to give away free medicine. How many sins did I get rid of? I, I say, uh, it doesn't even get rid of one of my lives. Not one of my two lives. No, uh, there's another one. Uh, so it, it get, can't get rid of sin. That's the problem. The first four points are the problem. And, you want, and they kind of get involved in it, and they go, oh, I understand what you're saying. But now let's get the answer. Make it clear. So that's why I do a visual, because when teachers teach, they... Uh, they like audio-visual. They do both because if it goes into your eye gate and your ear gate, it gets your brain better. So I said, let my right hand represent Jesus. He came down on earth and he died on a what? Another question. And they say, most of them say cross. We have encountered a couple, like, I don't know. Uh, so there are people out there that have no, I no idea of Christian teachings. And that's, it, my mom asked one sixth grader on base, do you know Jesus? And he goes, he's not in my class. I don't know. <laughs> so, so Jesus came down. Why? To take the penalty of our sin. He died on the cross, shed his blood, and rose again. That's his bearing our sin for us. And how do we receive that free gift? Like, free gifts? Me? Liking free stuff? Uh, you know, my coupon. <laughs> Free. You trust in Jesus. You believe. Just like I believed the airplane pilot was going to get me from Brazil to here, and he did. You've got to believe that Jesus is your Savior, and he's going to get you where? 
Seattle, which is heaven, right? Uh, so I heard that word a bunch of times. Uh, and kreem for believe, and other words to, uh, to know, uh, sabom, or I'm saying that wrong. But uh, so we need to be able to speak God's word clearly. Would you believe that? You can ask your friend, your neighbor, your enemy, whoever. Share the gospel with them. Would you believe that? Would you trust that Jesus died for you and rose again so you can know you're going where? Heaven. Is it important that your family knows this? The first person I want to tell was my mom. Because nobody in my family knew it. They all thought you had to work your way to heaven. So I want to tell my mom. Did she believe it the first time? No, because I didn't, wasn't able to say it very clearly. So she came here, right, signed her name in, heard the message, got mad, scratched her name out, going back out. <laughs> then she came back to the youth ranch meeting and heard a different speaker. And then she like, oh, I understand now. She trusted Christ. So uh, sometimes it takes more than one time. When I trusted Christ, he had, they said, raise your hand so we can pray for you. I was like, I don't know you, so I'm not raising my hand. So it was like four, four, four weeks later, I was like, okay, I know him now, so I'll raise my hand. But I trusted Christ first. But they made it simple, where I understood it the first time, that Jesus died for me, and if I believe in him, he holds on to me. He'll never let go, and whenever we die, we can know we're going to heaven because nobody's stronger than God. Who can take you out of God's hand? Nobody. So can you take yourself out of God's hand? No. If a father has his little daughter in his, in her, his hand and he's walking across the street, can she take herself out of his hand? What if she wants to? No, he just picks her up in the air. <laughs> so no, they're, they're not strong enough. We can't take ourselves out of God's hand even if we wanted to. And I don't think anybody would want to. But even if they did, once you're God's child, you can't unbecome God's child because he said he'll never lose you. And that's awesome news, awesome guarantee even if we stop believing. Like I asked kids at the mall, you know, if you stop believing your mom is your mom, does that make her not your mom? Does your DNA all fall out? <laughs> no, you still got it. You can't un undo it. Several people in here have kids. Can they undo it? No, they can't take their DNA out. And we can't take God's DNA. Once we trust in Jesus, it can't be lost. Is there a lot of people out there that want to change that Satan, the serpent, beguiled Eve we saw a couple serpents around our neck uh, through his subtlety uh, he, he wants us to, to, to corrupt us from the simplicities that's in Christ did Paul have to warn people in the Bible about that? I gotta go quickly Galatians chapter 1 verse 6 Galatians 1 6 this is something that we ha you have to deal with our, all around the world. People change the gospel. Galatians 1.6. Paul is talking to the people in Galatia, which is uh, an area of central Turkey with cities like Lystra, Iconium, and Derby. But they, uh, they, they trusted Christ. There were churches that Paul started. And he's writing them a letter. It says, I marvel. I can't believe you guys that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ and to another gospel. So is it possible that even Christians can be tricked and influenced to go to a false gospel? 
He wouldn't be warning them if it was impossible to happen. Like, I never warn people, like, don't jump up and grab the moon because it's very dangerous. Uh, <laughs> why? So you don't warn things that are impossible. But Christians can be deceived from the simplicity and, from, and go to another gospel. In verse 7, which is not another, but there are some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. It could be unsaved people, but it could be saved people that got twisted up and they try to lead other saved people. So it could be anybody. So that's why we always have to go back to what? We always have to go back to the Bible. Check the Bible to make sure that's what the Bible says. Because if I disagree with the Bible, I'm wrong. If you disagree with the Bible, you're wrong. doesn't matter who it is. In verse 8, But though we, he put himself in there, But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And in verse 9, he says it again, As we said before, so say I now again, If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have received, let him be accursed. Do you want to get that kind of scourging by God? By going off into another gospel? But they have really nice programs over there. Oh, they're wonderful when it comes to uh, coffee before church and uh, donuts and whatever. I like that church because it's got great food. What do they teach? I really don't really pay attention to that, but they got some awesome food. So, uh, the food should be spiritual food. Is it accurate? Is it according to God's word? So, let him be accursed. In, in Romans 3, 4, roam over to Romans. It says about three, it says, God forbid, yea, let God be true and every man a liar. So when you disagree with God, you're a liar. Are there people who call God the liar? Yeah, First John 5 says, making God the liar. Are, do most people in the world make God the liar? You just watch TV, movies, uh, government debates and whatever. They make God the liar. Oh, that's, that's false, that's false. Education, God's a liar. But God's true, and when we disagree, we're the liar. And we need to understand that. So can I be wrong? Yes. Can you be wrong? Yes. Anytime you disagree with who? God. And that, does that take the pride away? Like, ooh, look at me, I'm great. No, look at me, I'm a sinner. God's right. When I agree with him, I'm right. When I disagree, I'm wrong. So let's get that plain and simple, clear gospel out. Like the Bible says, you should be utter knowledge clearly, words easy to be understood, great, use great plainness of speech, and the, use the simplicity that's in Christ because we're in a spiritual battle with unseen forces that... People who follow them, we see, but the people that, the, the beings that, like, over them, we don't see. We don't see the, the, the positive ones, the angels, and we don't see the demons, but they're there. Uh, and they want, the, the angels want truth, but the demons want false uh, lies. And they're really good at twisting, so you can't even see it. So that's why you have to study to show thyself approved unto, God, unto who? Unto God. That's what I wanted about. That's why we teach 
the kids. Uh, and be careful not to bite and devour one another. Like piranha. It's like, you got to cut. Uh, so we want to we wanna prefer one another, honoring one another, not edify, not edify. Encourage each other and not hurt each other. Because is it easy to hurt? Yeah. So that's why we have to be careful with that. <clears throat> Try to speak the truth in love with each other and with the world out there because the world needs the gospel. So let's give it out. And if uh, you haven't trusted Christ, you can do that right where you're sitting. And you tell the pastor or whatever, and he'll be blessed, and we could pray for you. Uh, so thank you for listening, and I encourage you to share this good news with Brazilians of people. Thank you. now, so I'd like you to uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to be in that passage for a little bit. I'm going to get some things ready on the screen here. Communion is done as a reminder of what the Lord did for us on the cross. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, which was a port city, a lot of activity, a lot of hustle and bustle, <clears throat> but they were abusing this coming together to partake of the bread and the juice that represented the Lord's body and his blood. And this is a serious thing because if we're not excuse me if the Corinthian church was not careful they were going to make this lord's supper appear no different than the pagan the uh, pagan idol feasts that were going on all around the church they were coming in they were very hungry they were bringing food there were those who had plenty and those who had not enough so people were being preferred over one another and it led to a lot of division it led to a lot of problems and this is why Paul writes what he writes that we read once a month as a reminder for properly partaking in the Lord's Supper. I want to draw your attention very quickly to verse 27 in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to look in verse 27. This is on page 1222. But Paul says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself... And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Often you'll notice, before we do communion, there's a gospel invitation that is given. We do that to make sure that everybody who's here has a chance, if they have not already, to put their trust in Jesus Christ, thereby experiencing salvation. They are now fully right in the eyes of God. They've been given a new nature. And then we can partake of the Lord's Supper. But being a Christian, being someone who is born again, is not the only qualification for the Lord's Supper. There is also a strong emphasis here to examine yourself. This is to test, to prove yourself in what way? That your conduct and the sin that you're bringing into this fellowship is not hindering your walk with the Lord. Can that happen? Yes, it can. 
And we know very specifically in the passage, contextually, that the Corinthians were making this a buffet for those that have, and those that have not were kind of left out. There was no sharing going on. It was a full meal, a lot of riotous behavior, very unbecoming of what the Lord's Supper is supposed to represent. So contextually speaking, in interpretation, we understand what the Corinthians' problem was. Now for us, we have to examine ourselves to make sure that we're not coming into this assembly, we're not partaking of this Lord's Supper without our sins recognized. And there is a consequence for taking the Lord's Supper in an improper state. I want you to see in verse 29, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh himself excuse me, damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now, many would look at this damnation here and guilt here that was mentioned in verse 27, and they'll automatically think, well, this must mean that you could lose your salvation if you abuse the Lord's Supper. But we see that there are actual physical consequences and spiritual consequences. The physical consequences can result in illness, difficulty, which leads to death. Look at what it says in verse 30. For this cause. So if we study the Bible accurately, we can see that the this cause was partaking of the Lord's Supper inappropriately. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you. This is among the body of believers. People were sick. People were very weak near death. And in fact, people, as it says, and many sleep. This is a word that is translated to mean Death, it says sleep, the same word is used in 1 Thessalonians Thessalonians chapter 4. But there's an encouragement here in verse 31. For if we would judge ourselves, this is hearkening back to the examine that is in verse 28. The reason why we dim the lights and Dana softly plays the piano is not to get you whipped up into some emotional frenzy. This is to give you time in comfort for you to assess the quality of your walk with the Lord. Because what we do in partaking of the wafer and partaking of the juice is not simply ceremonial. Look at what it says in verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show, you are showing the Lord's death till he comes, till he returns. This is a picture of why we are who we are. So it should not be taken lightly. This is not something that we go and say, I've got to make sure I get to Calvary on the first Sunday of the month because I've got to keep you know, prayed up and, and in good accounting with God. We remember the Lord's death because it is the very reason why we stand before him justified. This is a healthy and necessary act for the believer. Otherwise, sin, through subtlety, will deceive you. It's like putting a 10-foot anaconda around your neck. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but seriously... You kind of, you know, we play with it. It's just sin. It's just X, Y, Z. It's not that bad. The next thing you know, it is comfortably in a position to zap your fellowship with the Lord, to totally remove you from any kind of effectiveness. And so we use this as a reminder. When we think about the cross, when we think about his blood that was shed, it is supposed to be grievous. It is supposed to be something where we say, that's the price of our sin. He became that sin for us. Why then would we want to go living in that very sin that put him on the cross? This is hard questioning. This is heavy lifting, but it's important. It's healthy. It keeps you sensitive. Do you remember the first time you touched something extremely hot? I remember. And I remember my brother who is, he, I love him. He's my middle brother. You know, so he's the knucklehead sometimes. 
I remember he was playing around when we were at summer camp, and he was doing what he was not supposed to do in the cooking class. And he reached across the hot pan, and you know the little sensitive flabby part right here? It touched the edge of that pan. And I heard it like sizzle. And I was like, ew. And he didn't say, ooh, that's, that's interesting. He drew back. He screamed. He was crying. He was very upset for what had happened. He was shocked by the consequences. For the believer that keeps on sinning and abuses the communion, it's like putting your spiritual hand on the fire and feeling no effects, although it is burning you. You're, you're seared to it. There, he has a scar there that will you know, forever not have feeling. It's damaged. We don't want to sear our conscience with the Lord. Verse 32 is encouraging, though, and I want you to see it. But when we are judged, folks, it's not a matter of if, it is a matter of when. You will be chastened by the Lord. All of us still have a dirty, rotten, sinful nature, myself included. And there will be judgment for the Lord, but there is encouragement here. Look at 32. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord. That we should not be condemned with the world. However harsh and fully accurate the chastening hand of God is in our life, we can rest assured that because of the body of Jesus Christ and because of his shed blood, we will not be condemned with the world. Amen? We have eternal life. But this sin that we allow in our lives needs to be taken care of. And so we use the principle that's found in relational walking with the Lord, fellowship, that we see in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That which is in the way right now in our walk with the Lord can be removed by simple acknowledgement. That's what that word confess means. You don't have to tell God you know what you did. He already knows. But you need to admit that you know it's wrong. That word confession means to come to an agreement. And so when we dim the lights and we allow you to think, talk through the past four weeks that we've had time to live our lives. And ask yourself, are there sins that I have allowed that have brought a hard stop in my walk with the Lord? Is there the sin of omission? Were there things that I should have done but I didn't do? Take it to the Lord. He is faithful and just to forgive you. And then, as you have confessed that sin, you've come to an agreement, recognize his body and his blood that was shed for us. This is not about salvation. This is a reminder of how our salvation was achieved, not by any good works that I could do or you could do, but by the shed blood of the Son of God, Jesus the Messiah. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. If you're here this morning and you have just put your trust in Jesus Christ today, I'd like to pray for you. I'm going to ask for a moment for you to raise your hand. And what that raising of your hand means is not, hey, I'm raising my hand to be saved. Or, hey, I'm raising my hand to get good points with the pastor or the speaker. What this does is lets me know that you have put your trust in Jesus Christ and you know you're going to heaven. And that made sense this morning for the first time. So would you raise your hand and I'd like to pray for you, anyone, before we partake in the Lord's Supper. Let's remain in a prayerful state and we'll talk to the Lord. I'll be back with you in a few moments.
Let's come back to attention here. I'd like you to be in that same passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we're going to remove the top foil of this communion cup, and you'll see there's a little wafer there. This represents the Lord's body, which went through extreme, excruciatingly painful torture. He was not only uh, scourged and beaten by the Romans, but he was first beaten, struck in the face by the high priest and those that were uh, interrogating him in a very false trial. But he experienced probably the first taste of the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he went through agonizing realization and recognizing what he was going to become. He submitted to the Lord's will. And he got everything that he needed from God in that moment. And then he went forward and went to the cross for us. But we are to remember this body that was bruised and battered for us. We are to remember it when we are tempted to sin. When we are tempted to forsake doing what we should do, we should remember what Jesus willingly, I want to focus on that, willingly endured for us on the cross. And it is supposed to be a humble reminder. We're going to have prayer for the Lord's body. Would you join me? Dear God, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ, and for his body that was hung up on a cross for us. We know, Lord, through the graphic account of the New Testament, that the pain he bore was excruciating. So excruciating was it that he collapsed under the weight of his cross. We thank you, Lord, that he was there in our place, and we remember that price. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. You can grab the other part of your cup. This is a little tricky, so make sure you pull it slowly and away from you. This juice represents the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus illustrated this in the Last Supper that he had with the disciples. It was very dramatic, and it was a departure from what they would normally do because he was saying, I am now going to go and be that lamb that will take away the sins of the world. And we are to remember specifically his blood that was shed because that is our atonement. That is what has paid for our sins. All the Old Testament sacrifices were picture after picture after picture of this moment when he shed his blood for the full payment of our sins. Amen. Recognize and be grateful for this full covering of your sin. Dear God, we once again return to you now about your son, Jesus Christ, and the blood that was shed. We know that the shedding of blood has paid for our sin. No doubt, Lord, there was much blood that was shed. The crown of thorns that was depressed into his head was, were massive thorns. The scourging that he endured flayed open his back, and he was beaten, the Bible says, beyond recognition of a man. And he went on that cross, and he did not say much, except it is finished. And the payment for our sin was achieved. Thank you for making salvation simple faith in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray these words. Amen.
We'll read the rest of the passage here. After the same manner, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Amen. It has been done as the Lord has commanded. I hope you were encouraged.